When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walls Rod Motor Group, Walls.com, and Doug Sprinthal. Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. This is a brand-new vehicle. It's got bird's-eye parking, so when you're backing up, you hit the screen, and it's like a spy satellite above oh. the vehicle, It is, and it's got ProPilot. It is cool. Trade your car in. Well, Melissa said she did like this one better than the last one, so maybe she'll like the next one better than this one. All right. Be like Andy and Melissa and check out the Nissan Rogue. It's been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born. <laughs> so, yeah, check out these vehicles at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and in Coon Rapids, House of J-Lo and the House of Dan Resch. Tell them Andy sent you. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Start me up. What? Oh, so you're in a better mood? Things went well on the morning show, I'm guessing? No, the morning show was fine, except okay. for, like I said, uh, well, let me run this by you guys, see if you wouldn't be frustrated as well. Frustrated. <clears throat> so on Friday, Let's I had to say deal... psychotic. Would you be psychotic over this? What? What? Um, so anyway, so on Friday, I'm dealing with a couple of corporate people 
that just don't do their job. They don't check their work. They don't do their job. They just don't do that stuff. So all day last Friday, I was dealing with their F-ups and their mistakes. The whole day on Friday, I had to deal with that. Right? So it's supposed to be my time away from the company. But anyway, I dealt with that all, all Friday. So then... They they deliver my wife's birthday present yesterday, but didn't bother to tell us that they had delivered it, didn't knock on the door, didn't ring the bell. As a matter of fact, I had <coughs> checked online just that day, and they said it wasn't going to be delivered for another at least week or two. A week or two, <laughs> but then it showed up that night. Yeah, no email, nothing. Uh, he did not, or they did not bring the box up to be under the covered area because it was drizzling a little bit yesterday, if you remember. Not a lot, but a little. Didn't bother to bring it up by the front door and just set it there. They left it in the driveway. So I'm dealing with that. And I just said, why don't people finish their work anymore? I just went through this on Friday. I then sit down, and I'm going to watch Twins Classics. Your Minnesota Twins. I want to watch a little baseball. Yeah. Right? Tis the season. <clears throat> Tis the season. But uh, they, they ran the 1980, October 14th, 1987. I think it was game six of the World Series. I believe that's the one. The Minnesota Twins and the St. Louis Cardinals. Right? So I'm going to watch it. Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, Tim Laudner, Roy Smalley, Gary Gaetti. The great team. All the great team. You know, Bernanski, that a-hole. But anyway. <clears throat> Moving forward from there, I look at the descriptor. Now, this is an international show uh, because digital goes around the world. You can watch Hulu in any country in the world, can't you, pretty much? Well, probably not China. I don't know. They have their they own have a Hulu version. Probably. <laughs> They've got the Huawei way or whatever it's called. Huawei. Way, way. Huawei? Yeah. Huawei, that's what, it, what it's called. Well, that's something else, but yeah. So I'm just, finally I can just watch a Twins game and not be annoyed by somebody else's incompetence for once. I turn on the screen and it says, Twins Classics, October 14th, 1987, the World Series between the St. Louis. This is on Twins Classics now, remember. The 1987 World Series between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. (laughs) Now, first of all, um, check your work. You put up the wrong team. Uh, check your work twice because both those teams, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers, are National League baseball teams. It is not possible for them to play in the World Series because they're both National League teams. Why don't people ever check their work anymore? Why? Okay, so you have been complaining about this forever, violently for like at least 10 years. So yeah, at least, yes. I guess what it is, it's just the new normal. And you're just going to either have to deal with it or be constantly angry, which is better for your health. We need to bring back consequences. And Where, if you deliver the thing and dump it in my driveway and then I see you, I get to punch you right in the goddamn nose. Isn't going to happen. Why not? You're so unreasonable, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, Catherine. How because you're going to end up in jail and, no, that, and it will be the poor, downtrodden delivery Dri- yeah, that's driver true. That's true. that you know how, how many times do i have to say this <clears throat> tom you're a saint for living with us an I absolute are. saint well, I, i'm trying to keep him out of jail okay <laughs> oh oh your altruism oh your altruism <laughs> <Yeah>. underwhelms me <laughs> your altruism underwhelms me and out of the psycho house because uh, he seriously was pissed off about it for three hours 
I, really I would be too. Me. Well, that's well, a long were... time to hold on to. They could have something... stolen your birthday present easily. I looked and up... he did nothing to prevent that. Well, that's not true because if I never got the package, I wouldn't. I would not pay. I, mean, I would figure. I would fight it through my credit card company or something. I mean, something, it, it was yeah. through Costco, so Costco should stand behind their delivery people. Yeah, I would agree. If somebody took it, would you yeah. ever think of doing that to somebody? Because I couldn't do that. What? I couldn't just dump somebody's package in the driveway and leave. Well, I couldn't do that. You're not a delivery guy. I would bring it up under the covered area in front of the front door. I would knock on the door, ring the bell. Nobody answers. Nothing I can do about it. I have to leave it there. I don't know. I've had delivery guys that are great. They, you know, yeah, some if, are, if yep. you see them, they'll be like, hey, where do you want me to bring it? I'll bring right, it in for you. Right. Some of, and some of them are like, no, I'm only paid to do this. Or our insurance only allows us to drop it on the curb. Who knows if that's true or not, but, you know, it's just, you're never going to get great workers to do all jobs. I don't know why. It's your job. You get paid for that. Probably a delivery guy. It might be a temporary job. You're still getting paid to do it, so do your job. They probably feel like they're not getting paid enough to do the job. Well, then quit and get another job. And that's, that's, in in Japan, uh, the the philosophy of work is all work is honorable and you're respected there for you working. Go. All I work is honorable. I agree with that. In America, all work isn't honorable. Some is, is you know, yeah. the honorableness, if, that, if that's a word, is based on how much you get paid. Well, and Japan if, is a, like a community. Yeah. And America is a country of individuals. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Yes, it's it's a different different philosophy. That's yeah, it's true. a whole different philosophy. Your whole life, whole different philosophy, that's and that's that's why that. And so people get angry; <coughs> they're not getting paid enough for doing some job that they they look at as being menial. Well, I and mean, you I, you also look at like Amazon, where uh, what's his face is going to be the first trillionaire if Jeff he is Bezos. not Bezos is already a trillionaire, and his workers aren't getting paid. You know, health insurance; they've got bad working conditions. It's like it kind of does feel like. This guy's a trillionaire, and I can't get. I insurance. asked about that, by the way. I said, "Why is Jeff Bezos such an ardent Democrat? Of a guy who used to work with him, actually." <clears throat> and you know what he told me? Is it because he takes advantage of the postal system? Uh, and he also pays loves illegal immigrants to work. Mm-hmm. He loves that. Oh well, yeah, because he doesn't have to pay him anything. I know. So he can become a trillionaire by feeding off of people who are desperate. That's how it's been for decades. But see, that's the God. whole thing. But, but people are now so much more aware of this, probably because yeah. of social media. I hope so. I mean, that, to me, how do you go to sleep at night with a trillion dollars in I your know. pocket when your people are, you know, not well, having a living wage? I don't get that. don't care. He's probably a functional sociopath. Yeah. You mean like a most presidents? Uh-oh. Honestly, oh. I mean, oh, I would not doubt ah. that Oof. most presidents are pretty high on the psychopathy Oh, index. there's no question about that. You know, I think you look at it at like corporate, you look at it like corporate feudalism. Yeah. You have this, you have all these people working for them, and they kind of own the property. Own right. The property, which is the, the trademark. Right. They own that property, and all these people are working uh, at you know whatever wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, they're not starving, but they're not you know, they're not getting a wage that you'd think, man, a trillion dollars. You know, it doesn't take too many billion. Maybe you could knock off you know two billion of that, and you know you know set up a fund and just you know pay the people better. Yeah, I, well, I, I agree with you. So, you set aside a hundred, two hundred billion dollars to do that. So what you'll, what you'll and see, you still have well, another billion. thing too is if if they gave them health care. Um, 
they wouldn't they be able to write that off as an expense on top of it? I don't really know how that works. I think oh, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, we didn't pay any taxes. Yeah, that's, that's, and they that's, don't pay taxes on top of it. He doesn't pay any taxes on it either. Exactly. So, I mean, something's <clears throat> going on. That people so. get paid off. Things. That's what people are mad about. And maybe the truck driver just <clears throat> is sick of this shit. We live in a townhouse. Oh, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Over. I want to move over a little I'm bit just here. Saying. Oh, whoa. She, she came out of her chair, Tom. She came out of her chair, across the, the table just, at you. Well, every, every time I order something on Amazon, I hate myself a little more. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so, I've, ordered, I've been ordering I, a lot fewer things on Amazon. I know. I try like, to do Target too. because they're, yeah. you know. And Walmart. Walmart is. Walmart I don't do because I don't think Walmart pays their people all that well. I have bought one thing in my entire life from Walmart. Oh, wait. Well, as of our honeymoon, a couple things because Walmart is literally the only place within like 200 miles of where we went. But before that, I bought one thing from Walmart in my life, and that is cinnamon Pepsi. (laughs) Cinnamon Pepsi. Because they're the only ones that had it. Didn't you hate it? It was gross, yeah. Didn't Walmart like try to go up against Amazon kind of? Wasn't, well, they, they tried. Wasn't yeah. that, what, yeah, was that they had jets. what was that called? What was that called? Jet. Was it Jet? I think it was I Jet. I think it was Jet. But if you, if you search for something on the internet, if it's a product on the internet, Walmart's, um, Walmart's um, service will come up. Walmart's delivery service, virtual service will come up. Yep. Their it store will. comes up. So so they are entering into that and they're just trying to, they are trying to compete with uh, mm-hmm. Amazon. But, you know. It's got the, the the unions are going to come in, and if they if they unionize uh, Amazon, boom, problem solved. This could be very cool. We'll take a break. Coming right back on the other side of the break, Steve Stol- uh, Steve Stolier raised eyebrows. My years inside Groucho's house. Nice. I'm going to love this. Oh, man. I thought you were talking about Nancy Pelosi. That too, yeah. Oh. Hers is about six feet now, so that'd be good. In any case, we'll be back. Steve Stillier with us next, the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Always great to be with you, Tommy. Michael, we've talked before about the XCheck app at North American Banking Company, where you can send money to your friends and family directly from your account to theirs for free. I imagine people are using that a lot these days, huh? Beyond paying a friend back for the dinner you split or paying fantasy football or golf side action, we've heard from our customers that they're using XCheck to send money to their grown-up kids for a family takeout meal or using it to pay the person that plows their driveway in the winter. Our customers love the flexibility of paying right from their account in just a couple of taps on their phone wherever they are located. I use XCheck, and it's just as easy as Michael says. Send money in one business day or less, and it's completely free. Get XCheck by contacting any of North American Banking Company's five Twin Cities locations. So why not bank with my banker? That's you, Mike. Tommy, thanks for the privilege. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. 
Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM, T-O-M. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Our very special guest, Steve Stolier. The book is called Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Grouch Hill's House. I have to warn you up front, Steve, you're being interviewed by a guy who's jealous sad, everything I could possibly be because, my God, being around Groucho, what a dream come true. That, you know, one of the best compliments I get uh, when people who read the book is, I hate you. Oh. <laughs> I, I would hate me, too, uh, if I met me and hadn't gone through that experience because <laughs> at the time I was like the world's biggest Groucho fanatic, and all I ever wanted to do was shake his hand and thank him, Mm -hmm. and instead I got pulled into this remarkable atmosphere where I worked for him inside his house the last three years of his life, and was able to spend countless hours of quality time talking with him and meeting his friends and people he worked with in the 30s and 40s, and it just... uh, I never took any of it for granted. It never got uh, pedestrian for me. So uh, I I accept your envy and (laughs) jealousy of the spirit in which it was given. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. I am one of those guys. As a matter of fact, Andy was the one that uh, that called you on uh, just a couple of minutes ago to put you on the air. Andy is our son. My wife is here uh, and family, close family, Uh friend with us, Dr. Basham as well. We just watched uh, Laurel and Hardy's The Music Box and Way Out West. I'm sorry, Steve, but you cannot beat that comedy of the Groucho Marx, Laurel and Hardy era. You can't do it. No. And it's funny you mentioned Laurel and Hardy. Well, first of all, Groucho toured with them right. in 1942 on the Hollywood Victory Caravan, which was a bond-selling drive. They, they were on a big train crossing America, and uh, he liked... Laurel and Hardy personally, and then as an example of why people mistakenly think every every celebrity knows every other celebrity and everything about right. them, Groucho was once uh, pulled over for speeding, and the, the cop recognized him and said, let me ask you a question. Why aren't there more Laurel and Hardy movies on TV? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I guess insulting that he wasn't saying, why aren't there more Marx Brothers movies? But the idea that because he was Groucho Marx, he would know why there aren't more Laurel and Hardy movies. Sure, absolutely. But yes, the stuff holds up well, I think, after all these years, except uh, you run into the politically correct crowd that have sort of retroactive political correctness, where they say, why does Groucho have to ogle those attractive women and uh, i don't know it's just it's inappropriate some of the that awful word inappropriate but for those that can get past that and having black porters on trains and jewish pawnbrokers and all those 
uh, ethnic caricatures that were just a staple of entertainment for a century. Uh, I think the stuff stays remarkably fresh. And in the case of the Marx Brothers, I think it was a really seamless blend of of really intelligent verbal comedy when you have people along the lines of George S. Kaufman and S.J. Perelman writing your material. And then just the physicality. There's, you know, Harpo's pantomime and things like uh, wallpapering Esther Muir <laughs> into the wall with paste. You have this, you know, broad physical comedy uh, and then this really clever, clever stuff that separates them from, you know, the Three Stooges or the Ritz Brothers. Yeah. And I think a lot of it stays really fresh after all this time. Steve, I will tell you something. I was a little boy the first time I ever saw it. Margaret Dumont was in a lot of Marx Brothers films. Yeah. And she was at, uh, Groucho was a doctor in this particular feature. And uh, she says to Groucho, I'm not feeling all that well. And he goes, here, take this pill. She goes, why, that's a rather large pill. And he says, well, you're a rather large pill yourself. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, it makes me laugh. He was a veterinarian in a day at the races who's called in to save the sanatorium that's run by Margaret Dumont. And Wonderful. The bad guys are skeptical of his credentials. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant stuff. The stories. Is it true, Steve, yes. that Groucho and his brothers went to Jack Warner's office for a meeting? He wasn't there, so they started a fire in his office? Uh, Irving Thalberg. Oh, is that who it was? Irving yes. Thalberg, okay. Yeah, you know, the the, the <laughs> character of the Marx Brothers on screen is that they're irreverent and they poke fun at stuffiness and formality. And Thalberg was a very serious man, and he was, he was very strict about money and time and all this stuff. But, and the Marx Brothers just felt like, uh, you know, we don't like to be kept waiting this long. We don't care who he is. We were big Broadway stars, and we were big stars at Paramount. So, so uh, when he wasn't in his office, they went into his office and locked the door and roasted potatoes in his fireplace naked. <laughs> he finally showed up again, and to his credit, he appreciated the lengths they went to make their point, and he didn't keep them waiting again. <laughs> well, but they would, You know, people don't do practical jokes like that anymore, because I guess, you know, they end up being fired or sued or it's frowned upon or something, but it's always wonderful hearing these stories that, People would do these outlandish things to make a point, and that was certainly true of the Marx Brothers. Steve, I'm sure you get asked the same questions a lot, but but because they're so important in everyone's life, I, sure. I guess that how did Groucho get away with saying things on TV that nobody else would have gotten away with? I think because they weren't malevolent. Uh, he wasn't quite like Rickles, just, you know, tearing people apart, right. attacking their appearance and all that. Plus, you know, there was the smile and, and the uh, the cigar and the wiggling eyebrows. And uh, I, I think they liked him going into it. They knew him from the film. Yeah. And so they appreciated it. Um, and it was never really, it was never mean-spirited. And it certainly was never... Uh, outrageous. I mean, if he said something that was at all 
questionable it hit the cutting room floor before the the thing aired. So you didn't really see anything heavy duty, and people liked him, which I think goes a long yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve, it, it, did did it reach the air? The woman with the I believe eight children, when he referred to his cigar, did that uh, make the air? That you know, it's an interesting story that, that I'll try to tell briefly. It did, and it didn't happen. It happened. <laughs> How's that? <clears throat> yes and no. Uh, it when in the first season when it was only on radio forty seven, he had a fa- uh, a woman on uh, Mrs. Story from Bakersfield, California. This was told to me by Bernie Smith, who was the show's head writer, okay. and actually kept a log of all of the contestants, all the secret words, and how much money they won over the twelve years the show ran, and. She said she had 12 children, and Groucho said, why do you have so many children? And she said, well, I believe it, it's our purpose, on uh, God's purpose on this earth is to have children, and I love my husband. And he said, well, I, take a, I like my, love my cigar, too, but I take it out of my mouth once in a while. <laughs> now, that got a blast of laughter from the studio oh, audience. Oh, yeah. But, of course, it never aired on radio, uh... but word of it got out. So you get a lot of people who say, I'll never forget that. I remember sitting there watching that. Yep. It's like yep. you either have come to believe you remember it, or you've heard it so often. Mm-hmm. The same thing with uh, Dr. Rodale dying on the Dick Cavett show. Right. It never aired, but people say, oh, my God, I was sitting there. It's like, no, you're either lying <laughs> or you've come to believe it. So the same thing with the cigar thing. People will say it's apocryphal, and it's like, well, it's in the sense that it wasn't on television and didn't air, it's apocryphal, but it was uttered and remembered, but never saved in 1947. So that's the short answer to your question. Did they, I, it's wonderful. Did they ever break up or have big studio problems like it seems like everybody did back in those days or still do? But uh, Break up, you mean amongst themselves? Yeah, did anybody or, say, I'm going to be the star and go off and be... No, the, you know, it was interesting. They really... They didn't have ego problems that way. However, Chico, and that's the correct pronunciation of his name because he huh. chased chicks. <laughs> and uh. a great many of them. Uh, <laughs> he, Wonderful. He used to say to his wife, he used to say, Honey, they're just mistaking me for Harpo because they look similar without their wigs. Oh. And then uh, he, he and his wife were waiting for an elevator and the door opened and a woman came out and and stuck her finger in Chico's cheek and said, Hi, Chicky Wicky. <laughs> and after she left, <clears throat> Betty Mark said, uh, Don't tell me she thought you were Harpo. <laughs> anyway, he was a compulsive womanizer and a compulsive gambler. Oh. I mean, it really was like an illness with him. He would... He would throw away good cards in a game just to make it more interesting. He would bet someone $100 which of two raindrops would reach the bottom of a taxi cab window. <laughs> so he, he would go through all his money, and Harpo and, and Groucho would have to bail him out. So that was a frustration. It was sort of an ongoing problem with Chico. But there was never acrimony like, I'm sick of working with you or you, you right. keep putting mm. us through this. 
I think it was. I think when they did break up, it was just like they got tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I know Groucho said when he was doing a night in Casablanca in 1946, he's already 55 or 56, and Chico and Groucho, Chico and Harpo were older than him. And he was uh, hanging from an airplane, and he just thought, there's got to be a better way to make a living. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Steve, so, uh, I, I have a question. And Harpo went on, uh, they would tour um, Vegas and different clubs and do music and comedy. And then Groucho wisely got rid of the grease paint mustache and grew his own, and that's when the whole second career of You Bet Your Life took over. Mm. So it was never an acrimonious thing. It was just like facing the music. That makes total. Steve, do you, do you have a few more minutes? Uh, because our, our, our time is run to an end, but we'd love, oh, we'd love to hold sure. on if we could. Sure. All right, we'll be back in like two minutes more with Steve Stolier. Is it pronounced Stolier? It is. I was ready to correct you, but you got it right, and I had Yay. nothing to say. A rare <laughs> I had nothing to, well, I have nothing to say. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> We'll be right back with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com. That's shift, the number two, sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. What's more important than reliable plumbing? Having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit saberheating.com. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. I guess this one's got a bit of build-up. Yeah, apparently it's a build-up. Steve Stolier, our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Steve, we've, uh, during the break there, we're sitting there talking about the Marx Brothers. We're talking about Laurel and Hardy. Then we start talking about the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. I do hate you. I want you to know that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Again, I accept your hate in the spirit in which it is hurled <laughs> at me. With best me. possible way. What a great life. So this segment, if you have a few minutes, I'd like to hear about your experiences. And thank you so much for being patient with us about talking about because 
We're obviously huge fans, and it's very exciting to talk to anybody about Groucho Marx. Believe oh, me. it's my pleasure. Believe me, I've got, I got the whole spectrum of people's familiarity with the Marx Brothers uh, doing various radio shows and podcasts and so on. And initially, the publicist would just say, you're going to be on in, uh, in Cleveland and at 4.30 a.m. your time, and uh. I'd set my alarm and get up. And you never quite knew what the level of familiarity was. And I remember one guy, and I swear he was serious, he said, now let me ask you this, which was the brother that played the harp? Oh. <laughs> and I wanted to say, take a wild guess. But I was civil and explained the, the names and all that. So uh, it's a pleasure to talk to someone that that uh, loves and appreciates the Marx Brothers as we now rocket well into the 21st century. Yeah. That was something else that... Uh, you know, Groucho was born in 1890, so he was Jeez. literally a Victorian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, she was, was on the throne for another 11 years. That's uh, they were all born in New York. But I came to appreciate Groucho not just because he was that man, the one with Margaret Dumont and Thelma mm-hmm. Todd and, and all that cavorting, but he was this man from 1890 whose first-hand memories went from before the Wright brothers to after the moon landing, which is just a staggering chunk of American history. I said to him once, uh, how far back do you remember? And he thought a moment, and he said, I guess the Spanish-American War. (laughs) Well... 98. Probably true. As you might know, the Marx brothers started off as a singing act Mm -hmm. before they through comedy into it, and Groucho actually was on the bill at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York, uh, same bill as Enrico Caruso, God. and it was to raise money to help the victims of the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Wow. He was 16. So, and it, I mean, he was this living link to the 19th century, plus knowing so many immortals personally i mean as friends george gershwin and irving berlin and james thurber and wc fields and you know that that he you know we think of them in in black and white and two-dimensional but he knew them as people to hang out with so it was just you know i was 20 years old uh and just a huge marx fan and i got the job by starting a petition drive at UCLA where I was going to college to put pressure on Universal to re-release Animal Crackers, which was caught in a legal snag. And they didn't think there was any reason to spend money on an old black and white movie. But all my friends were Marx fanatics, and it was the great missing link in their canon. I mean, now we just punch a button, and there you can see whatever you want from YouTube or streaming or something, but back right. then no one had seen Animal Crackers in decades, and uh, Groucho came to UCLA to uh, help us with our, I said, Groucho, I am very happy to be meeting you after all this time, and he said, well, you should be. Love <laughs> <laughs> him. Aaron Fleming, who was this woman that was like in charge of his life at the time, said, this is Steve Stoliar, he's trying to get Animal Crackers re-released. And Groucho said, did you get it? And I said, not yet, but we're working on it. 
He said, well, you better or I'll fire you. <laughs> well. And I didn't even realize I was working for you. <laughs> and he said, a little less than nothing. <laughs> a little less. So I, I like, had to keep pinching myself that I'm sitting there surrounded by students and the press, the cameras, uh, talking about this 1930 film of theirs and realizing that I'm sitting with my idol and uh, Universal finally relented and put the film out, and it broke the box office record at the UA Westwood that had been set by the French Connection several years earlier. Oh, yeah. So it was extremely gratifying to see a long line of people in Westwood waiting to see this old Marx Brothers movie. And then I was rewarded with this plum job of working in Groucho's house, handling his fan mail and correspondence, and organizing all of his memorabilia to be later donated to the Smithsonian. So I was like ankle deep in, wow. in personal photos and vaudeville stuff and annotated <laughs> scripts and letters and just an amazing, amazing experience to go through at that age. And meeting... Bob Hope and Mae West and S.J. Perelman and Steve Allen and Jack Lemmon and Zeppo and Gump. Zeppo and I dated the same girl. <laughs> she was 19, I was 20, and he was 74. <laughs> so it was a May, December of the following year. Two December. I have that distinction of saying Zeppo Marks and I dated the same girl. I think it's magnificent. I I, uh, I tell you, Steve, one of the great memories I have of being, I guess, probably in my teens, late teens, early twenties, is watching Groucho Marx wearing the same hat, go on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Those were some of the greatest TV moments ever. Right, Carson, and also the Dick Cavett show. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. wonderful. It's so great that they're available now, either on YouTube or, or DVD. Uh, again, as I say now, all you have to do is press a button and you could see them. Yep. But it really, yeah, it was wonderful. It was Groucho in his 70s, you know, without any real worries, comfortably set, just sitting there conversing in front of adoring audiences. Huge audience, as a matter of fact. So they were set. They didn't have big, you know, you hear big problems with people stealing their money or the studios well, didn't pay them. Harpo, Groucho and Harpo were okay, but Chico, Chico died in 61, and he really, he went through everything. As quickly as he got the money, he went through oh, it. Oh, the so gamble. the others were bailing him out. Mm -hmm. And Zeppo kind of picked up where Chico left off in terms oh. of gambling and womanizing. Uh, he, he, at one point, was married to Barbara, who divorced him for Frank Sinatra. Oh, Barbara, yeah, the very famous they Barbara. In Palm Springs, where Zeppo and Barbara were living. So she dumped him for Sinatra. Well, well then he dumped her for, uh, what's her face? Uh, what the, who did he Sinatra do? did? Yeah, who was he married to again? The young, much younger I woman. Don't. Oh, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow, that was years yeah. Earlier. That was years earlier, though, that's right. Steve Solier, ladies and gentlemen, S-T-O-L-I-A-R, Steve Solier. The book is called Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's Hearth. Uh, house. Groucho's house, not yeah. hearth. That, oh, that was me. <laughs> that was me. He's in my heart. You're in my heart now, too, Steve. <laughs> okay. 
Raised eyebrows, my years inside Groucho's house, Steve Stolier, S-T-O-L-I-A-R. You can get the book everywhere, particularly on Amazon, obviously. Steve, we got to have you back on again. We need to talk comedy more often. It was my pleasure. I'd be happy to ramble on about whatever you like, Tom. You're a, you're a good man. I don't hate you. I love you, Steve. I just want you to know I love oh, you, Tom. Now you've ruined it. You've spoiled <laughs> it. Exactly. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, sir. Have a good Bye. day. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walls Road Motor Group, Walls.com, and Doug Sprinthal. Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. This is a brand-new vehicle. It's got bird's-eye parking, so when you're backing up, you hit the screen, and it's like a spy satellite above oh. the vehicle, it is, and it's got ProPilot. It is cool. Trade your car in. Well, Melissa said she did like this one better than the last one, so maybe she'll like the next one better than this one. All right. Be like Andy and Melissa and check out the Nissan Rogue. It's been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born. <laughs> so, yeah, check out these vehicles at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and in Coon Rapids, House of J-Lo and the House of Dan Resch. Tell them Andy sent you. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Ooh. We're trying to figure out which one. Only my son, hello, the three hello, black hello. men in the room, would play this on the white room. Amazon Music played this song. Wow. Blame Jeff Bezos. People are exposing themselves every day. Should we tear the studio Yeah, should you burn it down? Is this where we... Should we burn it down? Yeah. That's so funny. How great is that? Those songs come up on a random basis. They just pop You don't pick them. I just hit play and it plays a classic rock song. white room. Oh, boy. And your new host... Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, your host. Okay, very quickly, I'm going to tell Alex this before we, we launch into what reality is in the world. Uh, uh, you know, outside of politics, Hollywood, and news, which is not real, none of it, this would be reality. This is the real world. But in any case, so every, we had everybody over for dinner yesterday. And this is one of the reasons why you should focus on living your life rather than, you know, anticipating COVID or, or riots. You know, the protesting part's great. You should protest. This is America. But, so they're all leaving. Fawny just turned four last Tuesday. And she comes up to me, and for the very first time ever on her own, without prompting, <laughs> she walks up to me and says, Bop, Bop, I love you very much. Aww. And I will never forget that as long as I live. So that's sweet. That's what I'm living for, you know. When are you going to have some kids, though? What a soft ass. Uh, no time soon. <laughs> 
no, no time. time. That, that you know of? In any case, ladies and gentlemen, we are here for a very specific reason because I keep reading these things in the newspaper and seeing them on television and Hollywood giving money to rioters. Not the protesters, they're giving money to rioters, which I don't understand. So we wanted to show you what real life is all about, that there are people out there in the world that have friends. And pretty much everyone in this room, if you're not related to me, you're my friend. And hopefully I'm your friend. That It's not about, oh, it's never going to get better. It's just horrible. Uh, oh, my, uh, we're going to be separated forever. Here's a good example of what I'm talking about. Star Tribune, would you get somebody... Get a white guy that grew up in the ghetto or something. You got to get somebody, right? Here's the headline Riots, arson, leave Minnesota communities of color devastated. You know, the average dumbass white person that reads that's going to go, yeah, typical, once again, it's all about black people. Why do they do that to you guys, do you think? Why do you think the Star Tribune loves to, to hold you up as a human shield? Why? Rashawn, you got that look in your eye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get the ball rolling. The, uh, <laughs> the, 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 this is this is the typical product. It is. Like, like this is what, unfortunately, when does the Star Tribune talk about successful individual black people? Love it. Okay, it's all William and I ever talk about. So we talk and, about. And so, like, he admires we, me, but other. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as I as I, I told you, Tom. Like we don't talk about when black men are not a statistic, it's it's not yeah. it's not celebrated. Okay, black men are not a statistic when they hit thirty three, they they, it, they won't be. Ki- oh, sorry about that, Rashawn. Uh, no problem. And so um, so yeah, the like, this is what is unfortunately expected. God, I just really really wish it went like that. Uh, William and I, by coincidence, this happened long before Mr. Floyd was killed, a couple of weeks. We examined the success of people of color in America. Nowhere on earth are people of color more successful than in the United States of America. That includes black people, brown people, yellow people, red people, everybody. But in general, it's Spanish people and black people, right? Right. Mostly Mm -hmm. Mexican people and black people. Uh, GDP, number eight in the world, correct? Number, no, excuse me, correction, like... For black Americans, it's uh, number 14 in the world. 14, yeah. Out of 182 to 85 uh, uh, countries. And then uh, for uh, um, Hispanics, it's, uh, they're higher because they're, they're, their GDP is uh, 1.5 trillion. Ours is 1.3 trillion. So, so pretty close. So, but that tells you which way the uh, politics are focused. They're focused on Hispanic <laughs> because 1.5 versus 1.3, we're dying breed, they're merging. And so they are. They pandered to the Hispanic community. Pandering? That's that's oh, sorry. <laughs> oops, oops, oops. It's true, that's what it is, it's pandering. We're having a headline like that, communities of color devastated. I'm sure... Uh, people of all colors live around right. Minnehaha and Lake Street. Right. Yeah. It's not like I live over uh, in that area that's just been absolutely devastated, and it's there's just as many white people living in certain parts of that so area. So it's not just a it? black community thing. It's white communities are equally getting destroyed. And I, so the reason they do that, why do they do that? Because some people are, are going to go, oh, that's too bad. I better throw money at them. Or, oh, typical. It's all about the black man again. Some people are going to see it that way. 
Or could right. we say just people don't care about poor white people? Thank you. Whoa. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey. Whoa. <laughs> we don't want to bring that up, dude. <laughs> well, it's true. In fact, that's why started. Martin Luther King was assassinated, because he started getting all the poor people. It yep. wasn't about race. It was about poverty. It was about poverty. And then when he did that, all of a sudden, when you look at the mass of people at that point, they, he was too dangerous to stay alive. But as long as it was black, it was okay. So when he started getting all the poor people together, boom, done. It's amazing. I want to throw another stat out at you. Uh, when you look at all minorities that reside in the United States of America, as a whole, we would be fourth in the world in GDP. See, this is what I'm saying. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, but nobody yeah. wants to talk in about the that. world. There's the no world. better place on earth, on earth, than here. So I... Uh, Take it for what what it's worth, but the numbers don't lie. Data, no, they don't. Data, data doesn't, lie. doesn't lie at all. So I mean, you can jack the numbers up, but uh, unless you produce after the numbers are jacked up, and it was produced. I mean, it, it, nobody. And again, I think it's wonderful. Everybody's succeeding. I think it's terrific. But I I want to know. I've never seen that in the Star Tribune. I've never seen it on television. I've never seen it in the New York Times, the Washington Post. I've never seen those stats. Why would they do that? To be a part of the team. To say, like, look, there's no other stories out there. You know, I was telling you, you know what? There's no sobriety high schools in the inner city. Yeah. Right. So every year there should be <laughs> bold letters That's saying, true. hey, there aren't any drunk students in the inner city. It's so true. It's true. They're in Eden Prairie. Oh, my God. Right. right. And, and, since, and since this is not... This is not a part of the status quo. Or here, I'll say it in a different way. Remember when Toyota, when people were stepping on the brakes and their cars weren't stopping? Right, yeah. But people were still going to buy Toyotas because yeah. they were 9 out of 10, the safest cars in America. This, these are the, the articles that you're used to. So let's take that then and then apply it to this, that people are used to reading about Stories about poor black people who need help. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Versus. And it doesn't fit the. We don't fit the narrative. Right. You right. And I don't right. Fit right. The right. Versus the. This is how you can be successful. This is how an individual has been successful. The the. I find it. I hear this. I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. They simply say, you know what parents are having problems with? A keeping their dishwasher empty because everybody's stuck at home all the time. I can attest to that. <laughs> and then B, there aren't enough, even though Disney Plus has every single thing that Disney's ever released digitally, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's not enough content. And so parents are now stuck watching, having their kids watch the stupidest YouTube videos over and over. And then Rapunzel. Okay. I've seen it with Fawny about nine Every time times. we go over to their house, <laughs> just watch Rapunzel. And, and so New York Times or Wall Street Journal is talking about how to manage your kids' YouTube and how sick it is, how, how sick and tired they are of watching YouTube. Those simple stories about being a family aren't manifested in the Star Tribune. And I just don't understand why. Andy and Alex, you're young people. Tevin, you're younger than both of them. What do you think as young people of this? Why? 
Is it time to make the change and say, look, you need to start telling the truth in the newspapers, on television news, and in politics. At least tell the truth some of the time instead of never. Well, my something that, I mean, and maybe I'm extraordinarily ignorant, which I probably am in a lot of ways. Oh, points. Say, but, it's, it's really just a raising. It's a parenting. It's a family. It's genetic. It's genetic, yeah. Um, but does... Do all three of you fear for your life every single day, all day long? No, never. No. No. Because that's what, especially white people on social media. They're telling you to. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like every single, especially black men, can't walk in the street without fearing that they're going to get shot or arrested, murdered. Attacked by the KKK. It's like, is that true? KKK in Minnesota. Well, that's, but that's what people that's what saying. are saying. I know. Saying. That's what they think. And I'm like, is this, a tr- is this true? true? Every single black man fears for that every single day of their <laughs> no. life. The Star Tribune should go to a barbershop when they're open. And ask the question that was just asked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Because we'll find out that they're more afraid of the person who owes them $5 at the barbershop. Yes. <laughs> my favorite black barbershops. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, my ass. Joe Lewis. <laughs> I love that song. The, uh, I mean, you bring up a great point about fear. There's, yeah. And that's just not true. It's just not true. I Fear. Yeah. I grew up in the Detroit riots in 1967. And my, my father was a police officer. And I remember having you know laying on the floor at night no light you couldn't turn the lights on and in your house they otherwise they would shoot them out you had to go in the house turn off the lights you operated in darkness that's a crazy feeling you look out peek outside and i was about i was seven years old so it's still fresh in my mind and i would see the tanks going down the street I would see the snipers on the building. I would see the shooting. It was just, it was, it was so devastating. But in the end, Detroit still hasn't recovered from that 50-something years yeah. later. Think about that. And that's what people don't understand. You burn up your neighborhood, and when the Targets, when the Cubs, when the, you know, the, the holiday gas stations, when they leave your area, and they employ a lot of people in that area, people that walk to work, when they leave, it takes a generation or two to get them back. And that's what's going to happen if the community doesn't rally around the situation and build it up quickly. Because the longer it sits there with burnt-out buildings, the longer it will sit there. And that's going to be the tragedy of all of this. The The people in the area will be left holding the bag while your outside influencers, as they would say, Get, pack up the cars, trucks, whatever, and return back to where they came from. Mm-hmm. So are you asking the mayor to double the size of the third precinct? Sounds like from where I'm sitting. That is so cool. It really is, isn't it? Woo! It really is. Tom, can you tell us about the fire on the north side when you were 15? I was 15, 1967, same year. Yeah. That, that William's talking about. Standing there as a 15-year-old, I was with three of my friends, and we're just standing there, and everything's on fire. I mean, everything's burning up. You remember it. I yeah. Mean, Why? Why was it on fire? Because the Civil Rights Act had been passed in 65, and then there was some unrest down in Memphis. For Was it Memphis that was first? I yep. think it was Memphis that was first. 
Uh, and the reason that I remember that is because my older brother Terry was in the Marine Corps, and they called in the Marine Corps to stop that. Right? That was serious. Like, Whoa! This is rather serious. So you see all of these things burning to the ground. I, I remember one thing very specifically. I'm standing at the corner. I believe it would have been Emerson and Plymouth, right right across the street from you know where Mickey's Liquors is now. Across the street, there used to be Kilroy's Cafe is where my, my mother worked. She was a waitress there. Right, and basically, as a little boy, I could hear her in the kitchen. She didn't know I was listening. She go, "Well, another hooker stabbed a guy to death at the restaurant." Wow! Normal activity. It's normal <laughs> activity, right? It was a tough area, but I'm standing there and I'm looking, and I heard the cafe wasn't on fire yet. I walk one block further down to Fremont, and I is it Fremont or Gerard? Might have been Gerard. I can't remember. But there was a store that had one of those little windmill things that would turn. It was like like a fan, only that it would it would be like this, and it would turn, and mm-hmm. it said "Buy Black." That's what it said. So when it, it went around, it would just keep saying "Buy Black, Buy Black," and I looked up and it was on fire. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a little odd. The Buy Black signs on fire, and then the, the whole thing. I was complaining about Dairy Queen. I can't find a Dairy Queen around here. It pisses me off. There was one at the corner of of. Uh, Gerard and Plymouth right there. There's, it's an empty lot now. But it, it's a situation because of going down Plymouth Avenue now. Plymouth Avenue was bustling in the... Remember, I don't know if you ever... No, you probably you were in Detroit. You guys are too young. But in the 1950s and then the early 60s, Plymouth Avenue was the only way you could get to the western suburbs. There was no, like, Highway 12. I, I don't even know. It was something, I suppose. But the only way to get to the suburbs is go down Plymouth Avenue and go out to Plymouth, Minnesota. I mean, that's why it, the whole thing went the way it was. Uh, bustling. I mean, t- I'm talking about grocery stores and, and department stores and, and butcher shops and bakeries and movie theaters, a bowling alley, Homewood Bowl, it was called. It was a couple blocks uh, west of, of Penn. None of that, as William already said, none of it ever came back. It, they tried for a little while. Uh, there was a little area. I think the University of Minnesota owns the building now. Yeah, it was a King's mm, Supermarket. Absolutely. Yes. And then, you know, the, uh, the liquor store there. Mickey's? Uh, not Mickey's. It was Randy. Uh, oh, there used the, to be a McDonald's. used to be a McDonald's down too. And the White Castle down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's all gone now. They're empty, flattened lots. Well, even going all the way down to where 94 is now, let's say just going all the way down to the yeah. river. Yeah. There were businesses all the way from the city limits out west, all the way down to the river. Plymouth Avenue was bustling, business everywhere, things were wonderful. And then things got a little rough, which, you know, they could have improved on that. But none of that, as William said, ever came back. Well, yeah, now anytime they try to bring anything in, like they've tried to bring a co-op in to North Minneapolis. and it didn't it, work. In the middle yeah. of... It, Getting built, it's shut down. Yeah, on Golden Valley Road and Penn. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was just informed that my Binky Town store window got shattered, even though it was boarded up. Just now, oh William, wow. Jesus. So ugh, now I'm pissed. <laughs> oh, now, now, now I'm pissed. Now I get to sit next to him. <laughs> nah, him. I'm pissed. That that's not. Wow. That's Sorry not to cool. hear that. That's yeah, not cool. Not well, we'll take a break real quick. We'll be right back in about two minutes with the family. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, a lot of people have heard us talk about community banking over the years. We've been doing these commercials. What makes working with a community bank so different for your customers? Our business banking customers honor us by sharing how we're able to help them on any new project. 
how we were able to quickly get them the funding they need when others in town can't do it. We do it by taking the time to get to know our customers and the challenges they face. When your business banks with us, you are not just another account number. One thing I've always admired about North American Banking Company is how your team treats not only me, but my friends and family that bank with you so respectfully. Tommy, thanks for making me look good, like my team does. As you know, I have a face for radio. We yes, take you do. <laughs> we take pride in doing the right thing for all our customers and the communities we work and live. That's what we mean about being a community bank. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Dan Chesky is here from Dan's Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, having quite the conversation. I, the great thing about this is I have not heard these conversations before. JB came on the morning show. I didn't even know he was coming in. He just showed up at the door, <laughs> and I didn't know how to turn on all the microphones and yeah. stuff here, oh, so he couldn't. Yeah. He had to sit out there on his phone, and you told him, mute your phone. <laughs> I got the message. It was great. But JB is devastated by it. JB, by the way, is one of the nicest men you'd ever want. Don't you think Absolutely. that JB's a hell of a guy, William? Oh yeah, I've known JB for. He's a wonderful guy. I'm young and he's younger, but <laughs> you're young. <laughs> I mean, compared to me, it's been a long young. time. JB is yeah, compared to you. <laughs> no, JB yeah. is a great guy. I he used is. to. I, I, I got to be honest. When when I first started listening to your show, because my friend Tom introduced right, me to your right. show thirty something years ago, I was like. Was like in JB's was on. I was like JB, what's up? Like why you sell out my people? <laughs> <laughs> why you sell like, out, why'd you sell out my people? Why you on this with it. this dude? I and love it. Then as I listen to you more, I realize that uh, that uh, you don't see color, you see character. No, that's cool. exactly it. I wish I wish I didn't. Uh, there would, uh, you know. Let me just say something about that. I read I read that, that headline that you know riots, arson, leave Minnesota communities of color devastated. These people don't know what they're doing there. I mean, they really think that's a good thing for, for black people to, to put that in the paper. That's how they think. Yeah. I mean, they really do. They think, well, we got to do point out, we got to help. Even though they know this is not true, as Tevin pointed out already, they think they're helping black people. Uh, is that a college thing? They, they let me into college one day and they said, you got to go. <laughs> so that was pretty much the end of that. Should have been a better athlete. Right. Oh, listen to him now. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Here's from a guy, by wrong? the way, his entire athletic career, all he did was get in the way. Oh, Is that what offensive yeah. linemen do? Wow. Dab! 
baby. Oh, wow. Come on, give me a hug, man. Hey, no, I'll, I'll, I'll stick up for a very go. integral part to. I'm not running around catching footballs if it's not for him blocking. So I, I'll stand up for him. I like he it. No, I understand. He stands up. I think, I think, I think that uh, they, everybody wants to help somebody, and when you're when you don't need their help, they wonder what's mm-hmm. wrong. And Ooh, so, good point. And so yeah. when they can't figure out what's wrong, they help kind of create a narrative that's saying, even though you are successful, you could still use more. Even though you do have a great job, well, you're not the president of the company. Or even, and I don't see it because because the world I've grew up, grown up in has been, uh, I grew up during Martin Luther King era. Yep. And so and I happen to also have his autograph, which is kind of nice. Oh, God. <laughs> I hate to throw that in there, but yeah, I, but it's one of the things I wanted to collect for about 20 years, and I finally was able to uh, get, a, get enough, enough of that to get one. But <laughs> enough of that to get one. But it, it's a, yeah. it's a narrative. If you don't fit it, they they'll create reasons why you you should. Like like I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I grew up poor in Detroit. I played football here. I got a job. I worked hard. I became a stockbroker. With against all odds, I was the only black stock. I was the only black lineman. I was the only black stockbroker. I was the only. Uh, I mean, I've been like the only mm-hmm. black person doing what I do because I chose to take a different path. Right. I didn't. Want, I it, somebody told me a long time ago if you if you want money, be around money, understand money, and so that's what I did. So I became a stockbroker, and so I went into that field. And I mean, I've been called everything, Uncle Tom. You forget. They don't realize the history behind me. It's a, but I don't, I don't lean on it and no poor me you just you open a door or run through it and so I'm I'm not, I don't fit the type of of uh, stereotype that they want right oh yeah because yeah. I don't need anything just show me the the way and I'll go get it right uh, and so when that doesn't happen you you get ostracized you get uh, Criticized, uh, you get uh, shoved to the side. What what a lot of people don't know is that we also employ over 200 people in the communities that where our businesses are, and we don't make a big deal out of it because our mission from day one we were doing fine outside of you know the two businesses that we're in, but our mission from day one is how can we help people, right? And that's yeah. how we got in business. That, that's it, because there's times when we don't make money, but yet we employ a lot of people, and they are able to pay their bills. And so that became our mission. So uh, because I don't fit the narrative, there's, they have no real use for me. Do you think that's the reason why you and I get along, Rashawn, Tevin, you know, JB, you go down the list of people? Because I don't fit the narrative of what a white guy is supposed to be. I mean, that's very true. Well, remember, no, no. we talked yesterday about what I figured out our secret was. What was your secret? Not for radio consumption. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't oh, know. I don't, the I don't, secret. No, oh, I, no, I get they, it. Hold on. No, now no. we don't fit on, on this side. <laughs> no, no, hold on. Hold on. We, we have all had a personal experience with lack of fathers in the home. Absolutely. 100% correct. And so, yes. and, and so that... And, and that in our youth and filling that gap has created us into a different type of man. I, there's no question I about agree. that. Or and, having having males in the house that weren't full-functioning men. Right, 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 right. They're, they're not right. really there. Right, right, right. And then we filled in that gap. Exactly. We filled in that gap in a way that it was long before our puberty. 
like long before our puberty, no doubt we, about it. We were we were the we were the father figures in our homes. We were the protective figures in our homes, and so that's that's our unifying thing. The one thing that I wanted to bring up, and your comment first off is this: is what we're seeing in the Star Tribune. What we're seeing right now is the laziest way to help. Yeah, no, that's very true. Very good. <laughs> and um, and when when you're young, or when when you're young, you are hazed in every aspect of life, oh, yeah. uh, in school, in relationships, everywhere. And what I didn't know when I was young is that the hazing doesn't stop when you're an adult. And so when you were hazed when you were um, on the football team, you were hazed when you were a stockbroker, and you're hazed being the only black guy on your block. And this, and this is what this is what life is is a series of hazing. But oddly, some people there's a stage where we just thought it would end. Mm-hmm. Well, and so every day, Tom, you get on the air, you're like, what's wrong with these people? How come these people aren't listening to me? Hey, what's up with the world? And, and it's just like, hey, look, you're just at a different stage of the hazing. <laughs> like, yeah. like whether you're on top or you're on bottom, get used to the haters. So you think it's, it, it has to do with, and you, Rashad and I talked about this last night. We talked for quite some time. And I told him that when my father was taken away, um, that I... I well, that time, because it would happen more than once. <clears throat> but anyway, I uh, was 10 years old, and my brother was in Vietnam, and my father was in the hospital. And I went downstairs and slept in a chair by the front door for a long time. I was only 10 years old, but I was the oldest male in the house. And Rashawn and I talked about the fact that, I, you know, if anybody comes through the door, I'm going to have to take care of them. There's nobody else here to do it. Everybody else is younger than me, so I just have to do it. And the one thing that did for me, I think, is gave me an edge because if anybody thinks I'm going to be afraid of them, they need to sit in that chair next to that 10-year-old kid. That was scared, man. You're not going to ever scare me with it. Nothing is <laughs> ever going to be that scary. And you know what story I love that you told me was when your son's friend or your son came came home from school and complained about, you know, one of his friend's parents not liking your show. Right. And you saying, hey, I'm going to go beat up that <laughs> that parent. Kind of how But But then you... <laughs> but, <laughs> my daughter going, what, typical dad. Right. Right. You're no, no, like right, 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 right. You will like me. No, 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 but there's a point in time where you're... You, there's a stage in life where you're the Flintstone, and you you feel you have to bam everybody against the head who's coming at you, and that's a... That's that's a street attitude. That's you say un- that because I look like Fred Flintstone. Is that what you're saying? No. He just goes no, no, no. But you're but not the only one that went through that. I had to do the same thing. Yeah, right. right. Well, exactly. The same thing. Kid harassing my kid, and, and I, I went to the dad and said, "I'll, I'll beat you." Exactly. <laughs> I'm not proud of that moment, do. but I was like, "I'll beat you." That so is what you're you not going to control your kid. Then maybe you and I should settle this. So my oldest kid. It was the first day of school. I I I followed the school bus, right? I let I put her on the bus. I followed the school bus oh, to the bus stop. She true. got off the bus and she's just like, somebody stole my toys. Somebody took my toys on the bus. So then I call the teacher and the teacher's just like, well, why did she bring the toys? I'm just like, it's the first day of school, <laughs> and it's like she why wanted to bring did her she toys. Bring the toys. Right, right, right. So you know what? You know what I did on the second day of when the school bus stopped. 
I got on the bus I and I sick. said, which one of you kids stole my kid's toys? <laughs> Ooh, I like them. No wonder we all get along. And the kid just went to the back of the bus and opened up a backpack oh, and brought the kid, there you brought, go. brought the toys back. I would call and, you a bully. Uh, really? Yeah, I would call my. I call myself bullying. Bullying. But bullying is when I'm saying, "Give me your toy." <laughs> Being protective is when I'm saying, "Give me my toy back." Uh, OJ got nine years for that. Yeah, it's, a, it's official. <laughs> Give me my toy back. We'll be right back. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. Tom Bernard here with my friend John Schwartz, co-owner of AAA Movers, a family-owned part of the Metro since 1964. John, first off, when it comes to moving, not all companies are created equal. What are some of the scary stories you hear about other guys? Tommy, if you hire Chuck in a truck, you unfortunately are going to get Chuck service. AAA Movers makes it our mission to guarantee satisfaction with every step of what can often be a stressful time in your life, moving. We move ten to 12,000 families every year, so from your price quote to the professional, respectful way we handle your life's possessions, we'll make your move easy. My like easy. By the way, this month, if you mention Tom Bernard or KQ, you'll get a free moving box kit with every move, and you'll save 50 bucks off with junk removal with junk luggers. Your move is always triple guaranteed with AAA Movers. That's their price guarantee, safety guarantee, and satisfaction guarantee. Call 612-588-MOVE or online at aaamovers.com. AAA Movers, you may not move every day, but they do. We're having too much fun. We are having too much fun with this, there's no question about it. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, you are right. You've never heard a radio show like this one ever before. <laughs> Probably never hear one like this again. Yeah, you don't think so? not yeah. It's completely yeah. unplugged. <laughs> it is completely unplugged, and it's totally honest. So I had a question for you. Uh, yes, sir. Tom, uh, when did you start working? 11 years old. I was a janitor at Diatine, which is now Zero Res building over oh. just oh. off Highway 100. Oh, hence the promotion. Oh, really? It's Zero Res now? Hence the promotion. Hence the promotion. Yeah, Diatine. I was 11 years old. So did wow. you get fired from that job, or did you? I've been fired from every job I've ever had, and you know that. Well, you know, the longest I've ever had a radio job before this one, it's been 35 years on this one, right? The longest radio job I ever held before that was nine months because I kept getting fired. <laughs> oh, when did you start working, Rashawn? Oh, um, boy, when I was ten, I had my mm-hmm. my corner lemonade stand. There you go. You know, mm-hmm. and I was making good money at that. Um, <laughs> making good, 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 money. good money. You know what I wanted, I could buy making snacks. Money. Snacks for days. Right, right, right. And then uh, <laughs> when I was uh, when I was thirteen. 
Um, I was selling video games, comic books, um, uh, out of my backpack. How about paper? No, I never had a paper route. I was selling. I never did from school. Uh huh. School. What do you mean in high school? Yeah. Oh, that, that was that was different. He's, he's oh, asking. Oh, wait a minute. He's asking about this. All right, listen to this. No, 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 okay. High school deal sell right? No, no, it was north, 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 north. Okay, so in the scam. Listen to this. Okay, so here, if I give you the whole the whole setup is this. Here I am at North High. We figured out how to hack the computer lab. We're playing Doom when the teacher isn't there. Um, the lookout isn't looking out. We get caught. Um, he then makes us the computer tech. Cal Entinger, greatest guy ever. All right? The, he let me run the computer lab. But in running it, you're still hacking. So then we figured out that we could, A, print out all the paper in different high schools. So we're printing out the anarchist cookbook in Edison High School, um, like having the printer run out of paper. But then on top of that, we would have like, a, 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 like we, we were asked to deliver paper to teachers and we would always siphon off, you know, some paper and then the we'd vague. have it, it in the, the locker. We'd have, we'd have lockers full of paper. Then when the teachers ran out of paper, we'd, we'd sell, sell the paper them. back to them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love oh it. Gosh. I love it. Yeah, that's a, crime. Crime. That's a great story. Yeah. That's amazing. Major crimes at 11 years old. The, yeah, yeah, that, that was high school. And at well, thir high school, at 13, I, I went to a, an after-school program in North at North Commons, mm -hmm. and I went through official business training called from NIFTY, National Foundation for Teacher and Entrepreneurship, and I won Young Entrepreneur of the Year for for Minnesota, and then for the United States of America, and I got got to go to New York, and um, um, our president paid for my hotel room and really? stay. <laughs> yeah. oh, man, did you? To, what was your thesis? Was it uh, the was it was selling the paper? No, no. It's not. <laughs> here's, here's how you it was scam your it was scam the system. It, no, it was selling the paper and making the profit. I mean, the profit was there. like, hey, it's got a 100 percent profit. I said, Mar yeah, margins are good on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, why do I feel like we're gonna hit a void when we ask Tevin? When did he start working? Um, I think my first job Last was like week? 13, 14 Last years week. old. For, yeah, oh, hey, my God. Okay, okay. I, see, I see how Softy. this show's going. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, my, uh, I think I wanted like a PlayStation when I was younger. My mom was like, yeah, you have oh. to have a job if we're going to pay for oh. your stuff. And so I was a busboy, big afro at Arden Hills, 394 in Lexington. Yeah, first yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. Big yeah. afro? Had a People used to take pictures with it. I and, like, cut your hair again. Old, uh, don't worry about it. I'm not ratting out my barber. I had to get a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been giving oh. my family haircuts. I can out of our house. <laughs> not me. Not him. My no, mom I, did I that. Dog, dog Your mom shaver. did that? Yeah. Class to blame. She did. Yeah, exactly. I didn't do it. I didn't anyway, my kids So damn. what age was that? I was like 14, 15 years mm -hmm. old. My mom was the general manager of the restaurant, so I got in there. Had to. I would have to ride down because she had to open the store, so I'd what be restaurant? there like... Is Perkins, 494. Oh, I, know, exactly. I used to live up there. And so I used to have to ride down with her because her shift would start like 4 in the morning. We lived an hour away. So I'd play like, so we'd if I had a football game or something, sleep in the car till 8 a.m. when I went in and started my shift and then wait for her to get done and, and come home. It was like every weekend going down there. So wow. it wasn't... A hardship. I wasn't stealing paper from teachers or anything like that, but it was a noble. It was a noble start. To, Somebody else stole to it. The I workforce. Stole it. Oh, you stole it. Okay. Somebody else stole okay. it. Okay. Okay. You stole it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. There's a statute of limitations on Big distinction. Big distinction. Well, I I, I asked the question. Uh, I started working about seven years old, shining seven? shoes at oh, the yeah. local barbershop, and 
you know, go pick up shoes and get paid in your know, quarter to shine them and things like that. Mowing lawns, washing windows, running numbers. Great <laughs> <laughs> numbers. <laughs> running numbers. Yeah. Uh, go, and you say, go pick the, go over to such and such. He got something for you. So I go pick out, and it was like $2 and some numbers, $2 and some numbers. And, and then that that's how I, I got started. And then, uh, you know, after that, uh, I always worked. I was just, I was a grinder. Just, and I used to have to pay rent when I was a little. Me that too. I pay. I would make forty. I remember I made forty dollars <coughs> on the, on a Saturday because that was the big shoe shine day. Forty dollars. I would go home. My mother would say, "Okay, let's see what you got." I always she would take, I don't know, thirty, twenty, or thirty dollars. Leave me just enough to make it the to the next Saturday. And but I didn't care because that's right. how we operated. Right. We right. all pitched right. in, and it was great. It it, it it taught me the value of working. And that's my whole point is that mm-hmm. each one of us sitting here, except for maybe Tom's kids, understand. Right. <laughs> what do you mean, maybe Tom's kids? No, it's definitely. Right. Understand it's the different. value of like getting out and grinding it. <laughs> oh my God. That's I had my why I didn't first ask them the question. Right. Because I, was I didn't 11. want them to say I've never worked. What you say? I was 11 when I had my first job. Okay, I'm sorry. I need to be more I cleaned horse stalls. Co hosting the podcast. I cleaned stalls. I cleaned up horse poop and pee. You turned your kids into wasps. No, that was my wife that did that. <laughs> so at Andy 11, didn't we can't work be wasps for, if we're Andy Catholic. didn't work. I love how you, I love how you <laughs> pulled him out. Andy didn't work Don't until he was much older. She hasn't had it. White Angels actually Catholic. I worked for Tino <laughs> at the uh, State Fair. Yeah, that's not a job. That was a, that was a job. But a job. for 10 days, what? Ten, wait, yeah, that's that's a stretch. Like, I, that's more get, than I thought. If you got to pick out white people, I got yeah. I cleaned I cleaned stalls at. Well, my my mom, she I wanted these like ridiculously expensive pair of jeans, and she was you? like, "You, yeah, <laughs> I'm a reformed, ridiculous amount of money spending on clothes person. Yes. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. I buy pre-owned clothes. <laughs> Pre- pre-owned. Clothing. I do. I buy consignment clothes. I think it's hey, hilarious. My wife does too. It's good she for the environment. Yeah. yeah, it's good for the pocketbook. Also yeah. that, but yeah, I wanted expensive jeans, and she was like, "Well." Get some money, and so I clean the stalls. So went, I clean the stalls at our barn, and then I Didn't rode horses me. at a different barn, and they paid me to do that. And I cleaned the barn, and then I babysat. See, and that's that's the troubling part. Our barn, right? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no! You know what? Hold on. The solution is just has just layoff. <laughs> oh, 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 I get it. Everybody oh. else is for a game. Oh, except for. Oh, I just heard the solution that the Star Tribune needs to have. But actually, this brings up another story, which I'll talk about in a second. But here it is. It's the kids' success section. What do kids need to do? They think that if you just go to school, that you'll succeed. So, yep. you no, just you go school, and it's not that's just, great, it's great not just observation. school. But what's the problem? It's illegal. To do everything that we just talked about. <laughs> now you oh, have child to have, labor. Right. Oh, right. No, you have to have a a That's license yeah. to sell lemonade. You, That's you, true. You, oh, you, 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 you've got to be. You got to have a license to be a numbers man. Now you've got to have the lottery. Yeah. Right, right. You you have to. You can't if if child protective services heard that you were in the car for two hours, um, back and right. forth. They would take you from your mother. 
Like everything that we just talked about is now illegal. God. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> You're right. It's illegal. Yeah. You can't do that. Why did they do that? Because it. I mean, obviously, you're not going to go to work in some cigar factory at 11 years old like the old days. But because one one child was clearly extremely hurt oh, in yeah. all of these situations. Yeah. That and so then you know why? Why the rule for everybody? Right, right. Why don't we have onesies anymore? Okay, when when I was a kid, there was this large onesie that you zipped up and then some senator's kid caught a, it caught on fire and the kid got third degree burns and then they got rid of them for several decades well and now a lot of child's clothing is treated with fire retardants right yeah. but before that you know which is actually horrible is yeah, it yeah it's really bad for your health yeah. 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 yeah that's gonna do it we'll talk to you on monday with the family <laughs>